Welcome to the Readings Podcast, the fortnightly celebration of books. In today's episode, two authors and friends talk about the importance of love stories in our everyday life. Trent Dalton's new book, Love Stories, was inspired by a personal moment of profound love and generosity, and resulted in the author spending two months in 2021 pounding city pavements, speaking to Australians from all walks of life and asking them one simple and direct question. Can you please tell me a love story? Together, Dalton and Julia Baird, journalist and author of Phosphorescence, will discuss their work. Before we start, a quick reminder, as this is a recording of an event held live via the internet, there has been some impact on the sound quality of the episode. And now, here's the host of the event, Readings Programming Manager, Chris Gordon. My name is Chris Gordon. I am the Programming Manager for Readings. And on behalf of Readings and on behalf of HarperCollins and on behalf of all of you here, we are thrilled. Before we get going, though, I reckon we've got to take a little moment out of our busy day, out of that sort of moments where we start reflecting on the things that we have to do tomorrow, the things that we did today, and just remember that wherever we are actually, we're living on land that's not ours, on land that's not been ceded. At the moment, I'm speaking from the Kulin Nation, and I'd like to give my respects, of course, to the First Nations people. But now, after two years of doing this on Zoom, I reckon that it's not enough. It's not enough just to send our respects. We're all readers here in this room. We're all listeners in this room. So what I reckon we need to do is take some time out of our busy lives to make a commitment to ourselves and the rightful owners of Australia and commit to reading one of the First Nations stories, commit to listening to one of their song lines. And I ask you to do that not just as a sign of respect but also as a sign of gratitude to the First Nations people and also a sign that you're listening and you're prepared to be part of the future and the history of this beautiful country. I want to introduce you to someone who actually became a collector of stories when he was really young. He was one of those blokes that's proven time and time again that he's a listener and a sharer. He's won so many awards here in Australia for his writing, for his journalism. But tonight, he's not there for those reasons. He's there because he believes in the power of love. And God knows after the last two years, we need that, don't we? We all need it. So what I want you all to do, I want you to imagine that you are applauding our dear, dear author, Trent Dalton, and he's going to be chatting to one of his dear friends. The crowd goes wild. Over to you, Trent. Chris Gordon, that was the most emotionally <laughs> charged and beautiful and love-filled introduction. Um, what a room you have welcomed us into. Thank you so much, Chris. I love you so much, you know, and I've been in the mood of just telling people when I care about them, you know. I really care about you. So thank you so much for doing this, you know, and that's the mood I'm in. And um, so thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yeah, everyone out there, I saw all your faces like when it first started and then I had to go to speak of you. So I can see you in my imagination and I just want to thank you so much for being a part of this. You could have chosen television. You could have chosen the swimming pool. You could have chosen the bar. You chose love. And uh, that means you're the lovers. That means you're the people who care 
You're the people who give a shit and you're the people who dare to feel and hats off for daring to feel. And um, I just want to introduce you to a real kind of hero of mine and a kind of inspiration to a lot of journos and an inspiration to a lot of novelists and a lot of people who get in front of cameras and talk to people all day. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's Julia Baird. Hey, Julia. Hello. <laughs> what you. a beautiful message. How awesome that you're like, you can talk about love all the time now. Oh, Julia, I've been doing it for a month and it's, well, I've been doing it all year, really. You're so right. I mean, I had license to. You're so yeah. right. And, and it's then like, you back from people about it and then you'll just like walk around feeling like the whole world is filled with love all the time. Yeah, you can become convinced. You can kind of convince yourself. And then I went out because if you actively search for it, yeah, you, you've, that is love, right? It has to be something, you know, actively searched for. Hence, you know, I mean, you've written whole books about that. But, you know, I really worked that out and then I learned so much and then I actively took that back into this very house. Like I'm, I'm kind of a metre from the kitchen where we kind of, the sacred place, right? You've probably got that place. Like the kitchen, you know, the Australian kitchen is such a love-filled. I'm so glad to be talking to you from kind of my absolute sanctuary, which is like where all the, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning, that's where the love yep. begins, where I'm saying that's goodbye to the girls. Happens. Yep. And then 7 p.m. at night when everyone comes back and we're all together and we're doing the dinner. So it's kind of cool to be having this chat with you right now. Um, but thank you for taking the time out. You're the busiest woman in Australia and I'm so honoured and we all are, all you guys here watching. Great pleasure. Julia, um, I'm going to, so guys, we're going to go deep like right yep. from the start. There's no time to waste, right? Why mess around, you know? Why? Well, I, I just can't do small talk, Julia. Like I can't do real estate prices and I can't talk Danish furniture. I just can't do it. And and this book um, changed a lot of people's lives in the past kind of year. Um, it, there could not have been a, a more poignant, kind of more necessary work of writing. I just find it the most amazing kind of a manifesto of love and awe and wonder um, and finding the light in the dark. I I heard about a speech you made when you received the book of the year because I had to, like, what the, I was watching the, the Arbia Book Awards, right, from Brisbane, couldn't get to Sydney, and the feed that we got was actually kind of different to the speech that you actually gave. And your speech to camera was a sort of recorded speech and it was beautiful. Yeah. But then a dear friend of mine, Alice Wood, um, who we both know and love, who's yeah. kind of campaign manager for, for HarperCollins. She she got on the phone like a day later and she was like pretty teary, Julia, when she started talking about what you had to say that night, the night this book was recognised as the Arbia Book of the Year. Like I just wanted, with your permission, kind of to open, would you be able to give us an insight into what you said when you got up on stage and, and why that particular time in your life was a hugely poignant time? Yeah, um, I, I thank you. I think I was speaking initially about like like you because you now have the chance to talk to people about love. It was been it was so amazing to talk to people about awe and wonder and the things that we share at a time when there was so much brawling and divisiveness and yeah. kind of horror and vitriol online. And the correspondence I got, just so much beauty was brought into my life because I wrote about those things and I was like incredibly grateful for it. But the book uh, was dedicated to my mum, who was a very gracious person, and I write about her in that because she taught me so much about, about you know, kind of like the magic of grace and about forgiveness. And 
she had a very wicked wit and used to kind of do practical jokes on us too as well, which is kind of funny for an introvert. You know, she she would write prank letters to my brother and she also... What would a prank letter to your bro be? Like what, what would uh, like just... So he was a politician and... Oh, she of course, wrote... yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to have a little Malteser when I was a kid, a little... They're beautiful dogs. They're strange as well. My brother was interviewed by someone and he talked about his new dog, which was a bigger dog. And he said, I love it. Cause I had lap dogs when I was young at growing up and I wasn't really that into it. And so she wrote this letter he got this letter, which was like, you know, from the Maltese Appreciation Society <laughs> saying, I read about your comments and I'm horrified to know that you do not share the love of blah, blah, blah. And I think if we could meet, you would really understand <laughs> The thing of me, and he's all stressed out about it, and they have a meeting in his office, and they draft a letter, and then he, she calls him up and was like, "It's the Maltese appreciation." <laughs> oh, that's the best. No, it was so good. Um, but um, so cool. She also was just very selfless, and you know, she she had a really strong faith, and I write in the book about how she had a Christian aerobics tape called "The Firm Believer." <laughs> that I really loved. But the the day before my I had got that Arbia Award, she had died. It had been one of those, like I'd been up, I was with her at the very last moment with my brothers who we were sleeping around her bed and for some reason my older brother woke up at the exact moment before she gave her last breath and was kind of waking us up. Whoa. So we were standing Whoa. there and around her body and waiting to see if she was going to breathe again, that moment that so many people go through, which is kind of a really sacred moment that you're yeah. accompanying someone as far as you can go, right? And then and it, it, it was it was beautiful. We, we, we sat there for a while and we cried and then all the business of funerals comes in, you know, like there's meeting after meeting after meeting with like the, the church and the funeral people and, what kind of service do you want? And we did all of that all day. And then that night as we were walking home, there was this big pink moon that rose over the ocean. I was just reminded of her and that in the moments like this, you can still have these incredible moments of awe to remind us of beauty and how small we are all are and how connected we all are. And so weirdly enough, so it was blew me away to have, you know, like accept that award the day after I thought I would just be a complete mess. But this morning we just, we interred her ashes. And I was speaking of love, like the priest, we had a, a priest there, he just never really tiny, we asked him to make it short, <laughs> poor guy. He gave us a very short little service there. And it was just putting in the ashes and then you put the sand on top of it and then they fill it up and put the bark over it. The priest started out by saying, you know, this is some a woman that you really loved, but more importantly, she really loved you. Oh, I was, like, oh, I was really out. struck by that because I'm like, that's interesting that that's more important. Like there will be no one who ever loves you as much as you, as your mother loves you, right? Or oh, in man. the way that your mother loves I'm you. I'm having several moments here, Julia. Yeah. yeah it was... Um, it was kind of beautiful and she was and, and they're put under this rose bush and you know things were quiet and we thought about her and we had to we all kind of set a memory of her. And yeah, so it's funny that I'll be talking about the book again tonight because without her I don't think I ever would have written it. And she was so proud. Towards the end, she couldn't speak. Right. She she her body slowly is a degenerative neurological thing and her body slowly shut down, but she still somehow managed to radiate love. And so if I would say to her, Oh, guess what? Phosphorescence is coming out in Germany, she would just cry and I knew that she was just 
happy, right? And we all, like, were so blown away by how much love she could show us without any words. So, yeah, that's what happened today. Thank you so much for sharing that moment with us. Um, there's, there's a million things I want to ask you about that. Firstly, that, that man who was there and been through it, you know, someone who's been through that, it's these wise people who have been through death so often have exactly yeah. the right thing to say. I mean, what an incredibly wise thing to ask you and to remind you of. It's like yeah. while you're going through all these emotions yourself and thoughts about whether this is being done right and being done okay and yeah. suitable for her, just remember she freaking loved you so much. Like don't forget about that, that yeah. that's what that represents. That's yeah. an incredibly powerful thing. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you about the strangeness of great things happening to you at the same time you're going through probably the hardest time in your life, you know, and it's like yeah. a one-off. You've been through many hard times as reflected in the book, but that's yeah. pretty freaking hard losing someone like your mum. Were you just shaking your head at that period in your life? Like, it, like tell me about, because I've kind of been there, like yep. when you go home to the hotel room or or wherever you are when you go to those awards and you take off the dress and the bloody glam and and then it's just you, man, and your thoughts and you're thinking about your mum and yet you're the freaking up. Book of the year, mate, book of the year, queen of the world, you know, but your heart's freaking. Holding the two things, I know. Yeah. That's that is life, isn't it? Yeah. You have the capacity for both those things all in, all in one day. People are capable of immense tenderness and, and immense cruelty in the space of an hour, you know. Absolutely. And their yeah. agony and bliss in such a short period of time as well. But I want to ask you as well how your thoughts about love to change doing this. Oh, I mean, and, you know, just incredibly so. I mean, spoke to 150 people on a street, strangers, you know, sitting on a corner of Albert and Adelaide Street here in Brisbane and busy part, busiest part of the city pretty much and, uh, and just asking total strangers and how much those strangers taught me about my love of the people I've most in this world. So, I mean, you shared that beautiful thing. I just want to quickly tell you tender, loving moments about someone who's passed. You know, I was out on that street and so many people got talking about the power of a hug, right? Like so many just people, oh. what are blokes like 65-year-old dads and yep. stuff? Just going like, man, don't forget to just go in deep with your kids. Like I'm guilty of probably doing the two-second hug and being a bit awkward, like all, all elbows and arms and the My kids, kids like. sideways. You know, oh, the sideways, you know. Sideways, yeah, man. Sideways. And that's it. And this guy just goes, mate, you need to go in there for 30 seconds. You need to go in there for a bear hug. You need to <laughs> make them wrestle your way out of there. And then I said, actually. And then he said this, he'd told, you know, he'd purged his soul and told me this beautiful love story. And he goes, okay, your turn. you got to tell me something. And I said, oh, well. It's in the book and it's just amazing you're talking about your mum like that about, and I just want to share with you this, like it's as deep as I go. My old man, you know, my dad, Noel, who sort of based the character Robert Bell in my book, Boy Swallows Universe, like demon drinker and just a lot of issues. But yeah. I'm telling you, Julia, like I never got love from, and my mum equally so, but then those people who had a lot of stuff, they loved us boys, my three older brothers and I, so freaking much, right? And don't even get me started on the places I took love from and, from drug dealers and criminals and all sorts of stuff over the course of from being zero to 20. But as I got into adulthood, I just started to love my old man so much and forgiven so much and just adored him so much and just knew he was on borrowed time. He had emphysema. And anyway, he was a shocking hugger, shocking hugger. Like, you know, he'd only hug when he's like on the drink, 2 a.m. watching. Do you remember Anzacs, that miniseries Anzacs with like Paul Hogan? And he'd watch it like, you know, kill 
kill those, you know, the Germans and all this stuff. And then he'd, and I'd go out to turn the telly down. It's just like, Dad, I've got to get sleep. I've got a freaking maths exam tomorrow. And, and you know, come here, you know, come here. And he'd just grab me, Julia, and he'd just hug me so freaking tight. And I'd feel the like the five, five o'clock shadow on his cheek, like unshaven. And I'd start crying like an idiot, like a 12-year-old boy just crying because I haven't felt this man sort of emote like that. And then cut to when I'm like 36 and I'm a journo and I'm, you know, meant to have seen a lot of stuff. And then my dad, you know, basically he get the phone call, dad's dead. And we go up to Bribey Island, an hour north of Brisbane. My brother and I, my eldest, my eldest brother, and my eldest brother goes in and sees dad's body. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. I'll just let you do that. And please tell me how he looks and you're stronger than me. You do it and report back and comes back and he goes, I really think you should go in there. We talk about dad for an hour and then I go, yeah, I think I will go in there. And we go into his bedroom and there's dad and, and it's like he's just beautiful, right? Like he's just – and then I go up and I and I gave him the longest hug I've ever given him, Julia, in my entire life when he was dead, you know, and it was just like – because he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't escape. <laughs> and I was just freaking hugging him and tucking him. You know, I felt the freaking bristles of his cheek again and I was freaking – 12 years old again and it was just love, you know, and like, sorry, the reason I'm saying that is because you said that thing about your mum radiating love, you know, and it was just, they do, they still can. And I find that, I found that so powerful. And I, I, you know, that, that sort of feeling was right in my book when I'm writing this thing, like, and it's sort of at the heart of maybe, I think I was probably writing it because of that. You know what I mean? I think I went out on the street, you know, you know how these things, it's like, why did you write phosphorescence? You know, why the hell do you do something like that? You know? It's but you know what? I'm really interested in that because I, one thing that surprised me about becoming a mum is like I, when I was away from my kids for a while, I physically craved them. Like I needed oh, yeah. them near me, those chubby little yeah. arms and like just like, I just was, you oh, know, not wow. in a craven way. Yeah. Like I really needed to snuggle them and to hold them. And it was the same actually when my mum died as well. I had to be holding her. And I just for a bit for a long time, and in that moment when we we're all around her in the, like at 2.40 in the morning and I just had to hold her and I had to touch her and stroke her hair, but it was also the sense of like her skin was growing cool under my hand and oh, I kind wow. of couldn't get over that. Yeah. Just yeah. kept saying her skin was growing cool. Yeah. I don't know why. It was the one physical detail. But I've had yeah, so course. much like empathy for people who haven't been able to be with people when yeah. they've been sick over the last couple of years because of that. That need to hold them. Oh, have you watched? Uh, have you had the kind of tough experience of watching a Zoom, a, a Zoom funeral? No, uh, we've, actually, we've watched no. two, and it's just, it's kind of tough. It's very yeah. tough, and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. I don't know if anyone out there watching this is, has been through it. It's, it's remarkable, and you really feel for the family members. And I've, I've watched a few where there's only ten people can be allowed in there, and it's just. It's heartbreaking. And, and then yeah. the photo montage, you know, the, the I wrote about that in my book, Love Stories, the photo, you know, the flipping nothing breaks a heart quicker than a funeral photo montage. I realise it breaks me just instantly. Yes. And it's like now when you see them like over these Zoom things because you're even that much more detached and you just want to be with the people and, yeah, it's partly why I wrote this book too, you know, absolutely response, you know, massive middle finger to COVID and just going, hey, you know, what if we responded and just went full Dalton sentimentality and just <laughs> cheese ball and just really access that cheese ball part of myself that is only just a response from all the dark stuff anyway, but it's sort of it all comes from these sort of dark places and me trying to work out what love is, you know, from my old man and from drug dealers and all that and say, so, okay, well, I know that. I know about five people who showed me that. 
let's go talk to 150 and, and see some others and see what they think at this particular time, which was really powerful. People were just stopping and going, you know what, this past two years has been hell, so I feel like I do want to sit down with this this guy who's got a spare chair in the city and talk for an hour about this stuff, yeah. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Do you want to tell us about Cathy? Kelly, because I feel oh, like... Oh, Julia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that's where, yeah, thank you. Like, that's where the book kind of starts. It kind of, um, that whole book started with a love story. And, you know, I've got this dear friend, Greg Kelly. He's um, just this incredible, you know, you'd walk past him in the street and go, oh, he looks like another accountant and not realise he's this amazing Led Zeppelin guitarist and this beautiful father of two and and uh, just one of those, you know, you'd, you'd have them, you'd have heaps of them, you know, just those people who just send you the text at midnight and just go, hey, thinking of you, bro, I know it's been a tough week or yeah. or just, you know, or just the 11 a.m. Tuesday text just going, hey, can't wait for this Saturday. Yeah. You know, and just, just yeah. he's been getting very appreciative and I think what I'm about to say is all part of it. So his mum, Kathy Kelly, so if you think he sounds special, you should have met Kathy Kelly, like, stout-hearted Irish woman, feisty, lived for words, Julia, like just sort of just lived for nothing but words and her best friend or one of was a 1960s sky blue Olivetti typewriter and she wrote these sort of sort of feminist manifesto letters to heads of churches and kind of um, in her own it. local church and she, there's this beautiful letter where uh, women weren't allowed to wear hats and uh, and it's like my mate showed they it to have, me. Didn't they have to wear hats? Sorry, they had to wear hats. Sorry, they had yeah. to wear hats. Sorry, you're exactly right. And she said um, she wrote this letter to the church saying, you know, don't you know it's not about what's on a women's a woman's head, it's what's in her heart. And, like, we read that. They read that out in the funeral. My daughter Beth, like 14, you know, right in the peak of learning some cool shit from cool women. I was just like, <laughs> you heard that right? That's that's your mate Kath Kelly. And anyway, Julia, she, she died on... Um, Christmas Day 2020 she died on Christmas Day and and uh, you know just this incredible woman and uh, my mate was devastated and he would send me these pictures he had to you know go over to the house and he went through her belongings and he found these scrapbooks and she used to just cut out all of my journalism Julia like she'd have all this stuff pasted in and unbeknownst to me you know like he's just like oh fire out look at this trend and then the book um, she was reading on her on her deathbed in hospital was All Our Shimmering Skies my second book and that moved me and they put that book on her coffin in the funeral and she's just so beautiful. And then um, and then as per Kat's instructions, Julia, like she, before she was rushed to hospital up in Queensland, we drink this beer called Forex Gold. It's a highly popular beer. My yeah. old man drank it and, and uh, I still drink it. And anyway, a lot of Queenslanders drink it. And she had like 30 of these in her fridge and, and like her deathbed instructions to Kel, my friend Kel, Greg, she she said, everyone has to go to the car park and drink my 30 gold cans that were in the fridge. And so we're at the car park at Albany Creek Memorial Park after yep. the funeral service and we're resting on Kel's car and we're all just celebrating Kath and toasting her beautiful name. And then I said, man, I was really touched by those scrapbooks you sent me and those pictures. And, uh, and he goes, oh, wait, do you see this? And he opens up his back car door, Julia, and he leans in and uh, he pulls out. Cat's sky blue Olivetti typewriter, and he and he says, "Mate, she wanted you to have it. She thinks you'll put it to good use." And you know, I was I was just, in, you know, I'm I'm incredibly sort of. You'll ask my wife, like I, you know, and that, you know, I'll cry at a freaking, you know, like a David Attenborough documentary about sort of reindeer or something. And <laughs> the, um, you know, and and I just said, "Man, that's the most beautiful gift I've ever received." And phoned him up about a sort of a week later, and I just like had this idea, and I just said, "Man, I'm just going to take that, let that typewriter be." The inspiration. So I, I got myself a BCF desk for $50 and um, I had a sign 
I ordered like a sign online, one of those sort of just ones that they use at cafes. And I, I, I use those little white little letters and I, and I put in um, sentimental writer collecting love stories. Do you have one to share? And I sat for eight hours a day, like out on the corner of Albert and Adelaide Street and, and uh, for weeks on end. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was walking the streets, just tapping people on the shoulder and literally, you know, a man holding a newborn baby and I'd just go, oh, mate, I'm so sorry to bother you, but um, can you just honestly tell me what's going through your head and your heart right now, like right now? Or, or like two, two lovers are just like resting their foreheads against each other at a cafe. Yeah, and like... like <laughs> Honestly, I would come in like time out. It was so ridiculous, like on a journalistic level, Julia. Like it was so, you know, I mentioned Attenborough. It was Attenborough-esque, like looking at life from that kind of scientific point of view, trying to study love. Totally, totally. You know, and, uh, you know, and and what happened was these rhythms would develop, these sort of, it was like staring at the ocean for eight hours. You'd start to realise the rhythms of a city and all these strangers would pass and then, some people would come back and they'd come back three days later and they, oh, can I, can I just add something to what I told you on Monday? I've been thinking about this. What I didn't tell you was actually I, um, I made the mistake. Like I said she made the mistake, but I made, you know, they changed their thinking oh, wow. just by the storytelling. And it just became this deeply profound thing. And I sort of whittled it down to 100 stories and, and it's just sort of just this full tilt kind of love fest, but, it, but it's, but it's not even just romantic love. It's it's um, the love of what a cherry ripe means to a mother and a daughter because the father and the mother met at the movies and they fell in love over a shared cherry ripe. So suddenly cherry ripes become this sacred thing for this yeah. family out at Billa Wheeler, you know, and, uh, and oh, man, you know, then a mum stops and, and says, um, oh, I go through this nightly battle between myself and the kitchen fridge door where I'm cooking dinner, my son's in um, the lounge room and I'm a widow now and it's just him and me and I'm cooking dinner and I start quietly crying because I'm looking at the pictures of my late husband who died tragically um, from a fallen awning, uh, shop front awning on the Gold Coast. Um, the, The guy pushed two kids out of the way. His final act, that was 10 years ago and each night, each weeknight, Julia, she, she's got the tea towel over the shoulder and she finds herself trying to get the frozen peas. She's just meaning to get the frozen peas, but she's staring at Chris. Oh. And she goes, I, sh- I need to take these photos down because I do this every night. And then she goes, but Trent, this is dead set. This is just random stuff. And she says, Trent, don't you dare think that I'm broken or that I'm kind of depressed. I'm, I'm just in love. I'm in love. It's just that my guy's not here, you know, and you're just like, man, and you hear that stuff and you just go far out. This book might work, you know, and that it was those sort of people. And it was just such a, you know, you've done it in journalism, right? You know, you just got this sort of wacky idea and and it's Mm -hmm. every time you just put yourself out there a bit. And if you're willing to be a bit of a douchebag for a bit, honestly, the the universe rewards you and the, and the people come and they'll just let rip. found that very therapeutic, I think. Um, oh. But I love the way she reframes that because so often with oh. grieving, it's about loss and what, and moving on, you just move on to that. And sometimes you just oh. need to be in that because oh. it was a great love that hasn't gone anywhere, right? She's oh, Julia, so many people yeah. wanted to talk. It's like, oh, you'll do. Like it's like. My yeah. family don't want to hear me talking about them anymore. Like it's like yes. this is fantastic. Here's this journo whose tr- trade is hopefully listening well and it's just like, man, I'm not going anywhere. Like in fact it, you're really helping me because I look stupid when I'm sitting here typing on this typewriter just notes on the sky and the buildings past me. I want to hear your story. So, you know, they'd stop and go, yeah, I haven't spoken about my husband properly 
in five years because everyone's sick of me talking about him, you know, and but would you hear why I love him? And then, you know, a woman starts talking about, you know, Helen Clark, one of the first people who stopped and she goes, um, uh, you know, I got 50 years with my husband, so I'm not sad about that. You know what I'm sad about? It was the two years we were courting and driving around at sunrise on dates across Sydney, like courtship dates, and they still haven't had their first kiss, but she was chain smoking back in those days. And she goes, you know, the thing I regret, if I could go back, I would throw those freaking durries out the window, Trent. I'm like, why, why, why? And, you know, and like, and, and she goes, it's not because of my health. And she ended up giving up the smoke. She said, the first kiss came, he finally leaned over and he gave her a kiss, like this perfect kiss, right? And, he, and she goes, why did it take two years for you to do that? And he goes, because Norm Clark was his name, beautiful guy, worked for the CSIRO, developed the cushioning material that they put in motorcycle helmets, like saved in numerous lives. Oh, yeah. Norm Clark, Australian Norm legend. Clark. Yeah. And, uh, and he leans over and he gives her this kiss and she's like, why, did, why didn't you do that sort of two years ago? And he goes, you always had a freaking smoke in your mouth. And she grabs my fist at the age of like 75, right, 80. She grabs her, grabs my fist and she grabs me and goes, don't you understand, Trent? That's two <laughs> years I missed out on being kiss, kissed by Norm yeah. Clark, you know, and it's Aww. just like, yeah, man, it's just like that's love, you know, that's what the a gentleman. He was waiting for two years. like he's Waiting, like, you know, you can't, you can't lean over. It's just like, yeah, she's just, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I know, what a gentleman, what a gentleman, yeah. Um, can, I, can I quickly read something to you from Phosphorescence that I just love? Sure. Because it kind of speaks to me, like I got like two daughters, 14 and 12, and you're talking to your beautiful son here. Can I just quickly read this? And, yeah. and then I'm going to sort of maybe dig deep into your heart about what your kids have brought you in terms of just opening up everything. So, okay, here we go. So, so if you'll indulge me. So this is chapter 17 of, of Julia's book, and she's writing to her son. There are so many things I want to teach my son to stand like a tree, to be true, to respect women as equal and also as magnificent, flawed, real human beings, to be kind, to understand the depths and the shallows of the seas, to forgive fools, to carefully collect the good-hearted like shells on a beach, to find the part of the natural world that most brings him joy and explore every corner of it, to file his taxes on time and learn to breathe properly over and underwater, to be humble, to fold things the right way because I still get it wrong, to scrub barnacles from friendship when they form. Like what a freaking line. To love his family fiercely and never take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, Julia, you were, impa- you were, you were, you were freaking channeling the electrical, the lightning. <laughs> you were channeling the lightning when you wrote that passage. I mean, when you sit down to write something like that, can I ask you, before I ask you about Poppy and Sam, yeah. um, like, do you think about that before you write a piece like that? Or are you just, all right, bang, um, the drum's over. Uh, man, I've got to get this done before 9 p.m. Or like, yeah, like you're channeling the gods there. Like that's, that's some beautiful writing. No, Tommy, I'm sure, I think you, I'm sure you're the same as well. But even when you write about all the things that you believe in, I loved that. Let me read that when you say. Oh, it's, well, it reminded me, yeah. All the things you believe in, like <laughs> that there's, you know, um, that yeah. in the world is a woman who has tattooed the true meaning of life on the upper inside of her left thigh. <laughs> Um, I believe in dancing badly, farting politely, kissing sloppily, hoping realistically, grieving openly, fishing silently, dreaming wildly, making up quickly, making love slowly, writing daily, whistling hourly, 
weeping freely, David Attenborough, singing loudly, screaming internally, thanking everybody and failing at least once a week. I believe it's good to whisper to plants as long as nobody gets hurt. So, and I also loved how you write, seeing Jodie Foster happy warms my heart. Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> I um, so relate to that. There's some people you just attach to and you want them to be happy. Ah, she's been there all my life. She's one of the great loves of my life. Um, and it's similar to what you've done here. I just, I love just that, just full tilt honesty, man. It's just like, mm. that's what you did, to, you know, to Sam. And it's like, that was my little manifesto of like, you know, you know, who's telling this story. I hope you know. From your you know, heart, that's right. Yeah, that's it. It's like, you know about me. So yeah. And it's a great way to start. Like, it's like all, all of my chips are on the table. And, and that was, that was really helpful out on the street, actually. Like, you know, I, I, I gave sort of a lot of, my real life in that book, Boy Swallows Universe, and a lot of people would actually stop and just go, um, oh, you're that guy who wrote that book. And it's like they'd feel comfortable, you know, going there. And I think, oh, can I ask you this? Have you found, I don't know, did phosphorescence sort of inform your day job, you know, at all? And are people sort of, I don't know, perhaps a bit willing to maybe open up a bit more to you since the book? Or have you found that that love is sort of cyclical and that, the rewards of giving of yourself can be sort of tenfold sometimes and come back times ten. Yeah, I think so. And I think that it's important. Like I'm really I'm I'm really private in a lot of ways, but I but I wrote it very honestly. And I think and a lot of people are like, wow, you made yourself super vulnerable. And then that makes me worry. I think, oh, were there things I said that I, I shouldn't have? <laughs> you know what I mean? Rare ways I did it. But we're all vulnerable and, you know, yeah. like I, I wrote about, you know, being seriously ill and everything that goes with that and when you go through an experience like that, suddenly you have so much empathy for other people in the world who are just trying to get up in the morning and just trying to get through their lives and make a list oh. of things and love as best they can and so people will sit down and say, yeah, I get it or I went through this thing and I also get it. Like we don't often talk about I didn't because I didn't want to write about like how do we get happier it's not that it's like how do you honestly when the world goes black continue yeah. to put one foot in front of the other like oh, and I think there's surprising like m magic and strength in places that we sometimes take for granted which is the oh. natural world but speaking of my I've just got this sitting here but speaking of my day job I got to interview this guy he wrote he did the octopus teacher oh wow yeah yeah well that's an example right there. And he loved right. that octopus. Like, man, he loved that thing. That's like, a love story. People were like, what the hell, that guy with that? I mean, and I did ask him on Friday night when I had him on the drum, I was like, have you fallen in love with, like, another creature? Has there been anyone else? And he's like, not like the octopus teacher. You know, like, oh. it's unreal. I know. What like, do you think that is? Thing. Because it takes time? He'll never have the, like, that. The, just the bond or there'll be not yeah, another octopus bond. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have to tell us, but it, I, maybe it was the first that really, caught, you know, like re reacted to him and that he could look for and that would recognise him and that they it was almost like a mind thing. It was an wow. astonishing story. Yeah. Well, I, I, I won't, can I go back? I love what you yeah. said before about just making it through the day. Like I just think yeah. like that's the key. I just think it's to get out the door, get through the day with yeah. some grace and some dignity and some yeah. kindness and Make then get your living. ass back and just, you know, share the love with like 10 people. That's all, yeah. You know, if you've got 10, that's amazing. If you've got three, that's really, really good. If you've only got one now, that's still yeah. great. And, you know, I, 
I've got this sort of thing. I'll tell you today's version of what I think love is. I think I've realised, Julia, right? So so here's today's, right? I, this is a bit dorky, so go with me, though. But it, it, it relates to what you're saying about just getting through the day, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so love is a river, right? It's a river, and on the left side of this river is a jungle with, like, tigers and crocodiles. But on the right side is, like, vast hills and fields of green with, like, white horses, nothing but roaming wild horses, right? Yep. And you're the one down the middle of the river in your canoe and it's pretty wide and it's pretty long and it's pretty unwieldy, this canoe. And the currents of life are constantly channeling us towards the tigers and the crocodiles, right? Yeah. But you've got to fill your canoe with enough people to help paddle yourself against the currents and get over to that right-hand side where the white yeah. horses are. But, but... The waterfall's coming for us all. You know what I mean. The waterfall's coming. Yep. So, so just enjoy the time in the canoe. That's that's my. <laughs> yes. You know, it's just what I'm trying to say is, man, you're just getting through the day. You know, and you just got to enjoy the freaking canoe ride of the day, and then yep. just, you know, maybe pull up on the sort of green fields for a little bit and kind of um, enjoy that. You know, with those right. people in the canoe, right? It's like right. Just keep paddling. I mean, life can be full of the most enormous wrenching sorrow and grief and yeah pain and suffering and you know there was and there's certainly a lot of it during COVID and but the sense and I think one of the reasons I really loved writing about awe and all the science I mean there's this ancient wisdom about awe there's poetry and literature and you know love there's so much awe in love there's also yeah. you know a lot of science about it as well is that it gives you it, it dwarfs you and it makes you realize how important feeling small is Oh, wow. And when you yeah. feel small, you are more likely to care for other people, to realise that we're just kind of part of the community Hell and yeah. look after each other. Oh, man. So, yeah, oh. that's a big hence, hence why I love that. I love that so much. Like yeah. not to, like, like this is why the lollipop lady is often happier than the millionaire businessman, you know. Like it's like it, it's this, it's why. Have you ever studied, I've, I've talked about this, have you ever studied an Australian mum from anywhere, any backyard across Australia on Christmas Day and, like, from the age of about 65 to about 80, right? And they're often, like, they might be grandmas. They've probably had a couple of – they might have had a couple of kids themselves. Now they're grandmas. They've just worked it all out because they they realise it's not about the ladder climbing and it's not about the freaking whatever's in the bank balance or what your house looks like. It's about all those – kids and grandkids walking through the front door and you see them man I've seen it with like my mother-in-law and she'll she'll just start crying Julia like when she's cutting the pav and everyone's like mom what's going on and you know she's just like I just love you all so much and it's like because she's realized right she's realized what what matters you know and that's just taking everything away and just going but to get to that realization you have to I don't know, maybe, like, I just wish I got to that point so early, you know. I mean, if we could get there at 30, like, geez, man, you'd have a pretty happy life for a long time. But, uh, you know, maybe you don't realise that until 75. Yeah, you know what this is, all of this is kind of making me realise because I'm sure, you know, like you write about all kinds of love and there's, you know, romantic love and there's like deep friendship love and there's the love of the cherry ripe, which comes to mean so many other things. And I'm just now remembering an encounter I had once which felt so meaningful with a woman I talked to for maybe half an hour, never again, Yeah, yeah. never seen her again. And I was wandering through Melbourne and I was off Brunswick Street where they have these markets on a Saturday and she was selling these pillowcases and linen that had things printed on it. And one of them had these 
that said love is and on one pillowcase and everything on the next one. And I was staring at it going, would I get that or would I get the other one? And I was like, ooh. And I had just gone through like a really bad breakup. And so I was like, and literally was almost frozen thinking, is it, like, is it? And she said to me, she just leaned across and said to me, I don't know what she was like in her 20s, maybe late 20s, and she's going, I don't think love is everything. And I was like, you know what? I don't either. And she goes, oh, well, let me tell you about this guy. I had this boyfriend. He did this and this, then he broke into my house, then he gave me an STD, and then it was like this, and it was that, 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 that. And I was like, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And I was like, rah, And we, like, told each other our deepest, like, secrets, standing in the middle of this market, and then gave each other this massive hug. And went on our own ways. And it was wow. like we had this moment of love. You just had one. Really yeah. Beautiful. You just had yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, couldn't believe how many times we, I'd be crying with some stranger on the corner of Adelaide and Albert. And it, it is phenomenal the power of words, the power of sharing a story. Like yes. it's just you hear someone's story and listen properly and 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 empathize, you you will have connected. That's how quick yeah. it can happen. I just think the power of two humans sharing a story is phenomenal. And oh man, it's like that's my religion, Julia. Like that what you just said with that woman was that's it. That's religion right. at play. Like that's like that's the reason why restaurants are built and and fancy Sydney menus are uh, constructed. It's so more people can tell more stories and then have more hugs yeah. and more love. And, all of that, yeah. Um, it's your religion and it's your gift, so we're oh, lucky for that. No. Um, what's writing-wise, Julia, I'm sorry if you get this question a bit. I mean, like where, where are you at and do, does an idea like phosphorescence come to you? Are you more of the like the slow burn and just you strike me as quite intuitive and just like I'll only, I'll go at my own pace and I will certainly not, you know, you got the freaking yeah. best job in the world already. I would imagine the writing is just the best cherries on top yeah. or, or, or are they now like 50-50, like they're just as important. And Well, I know they're both important, but, I mean, or are you just like, man, you smashed it out of the park with phosphorescence. Do you go, what do I do next? <laughs> well, I love writing. I just love it. Like it's my peaceful, happy, like, time. I just love it. It makes me calm. And I do write intuitively, but I had written this massive biography of Queen Victoria that yeah, just yeah, right. so much work and research. And I love that because I was living in another century for, like, yeah. maybe five years, a whole other century that was so fascinating. And I was buried in archives and newspaper writings at the time. And But then, I, you know, I'd been through this illness and there's, Things had kind of I'm cogitating on for a while and I just was like, I've got to write something else. And it was hard to even describe what it was and it was not in any sense, oh, wow, gap in the market for my thoughts on octopuses, you know, like cuttlefish. Like no one's going to care, right? But I just I was like, I've got to write this thing. And when I thought about when the word phosphorescence came to you, I'm like, that is it and things that give us light and things that sustain us and get us through. So it was a very instinctive book and I just yeah. was expecting to put it out there quietly and it would be there for my kids <laughs> and it would be there for me and all the rest yeah, of it. Like yeah. The response like completely oh, that's so funny. blew me away and it was beautiful to be part of that and have people tell me that it had comforted them or anything like that. But, yeah, I'm writing about grace now. Like that's my next oh. thing. I'm approaching it the same way. So a bit like you, like moments of grace, like what happened, what does it look like and what does it happen when you give it and when you receive it and how can it 
transform a life. So I'm going that's, around. Oh, man, that's so, that's beautiful. Oh, I didn't know that, Julia. That's brilliant yeah. news. That is, yeah. you'll just, that's so beautiful. I, I just think grace is like, it, it is, and I've seen it in journalism so many times, you know, the moment I've seen people reconnected and reunited with the um, the person who, you know, killed their son in a car. You know what I mean? You know, just just the definition of it, it never ceases to amaze me, human grace. Yes, it's huge. And it doesn't, on one level, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why would yeah. you? If it's eye for an eye, take that person to the cleaners, but it can it, it, it can wreak a kind of magic. But I think it's also hard. I don't think mm. we don't go, okay, I'm going to forgive you. I'm sure you have these things where you go, okay, mate, I'm forgiving you. And a week later you'd wake up and go, that dickhead. You're like, <laughs> how can he do yes. that? You might not have to go through it again. Like it's a process and it's it's it takes grit as well, I think. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to it, all of it. <laughs> How do you find the time for this stuff? Like your day job's so full on and yeah. writing takes, yeah, like do you, are you nighttime writing or really, really early? I just write on weekends and bits and pieces around the time, early morning, and I yeah. really actually need a chunk of time to yeah. do it. That's yeah. the best for me. Well, we're, we are, we've already gone over and I just, oh, here's, here's Christine. Um, <laughs> but I just want to, like, before Christine comes, I just want to say, I cannot thank you enough for having such a beautiful, intimate little chat and it has felt like we are dead set at the back of a bookshop and there's like a hundred great friends with us. Oh, like this song. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my mum's listening. My mum's here. I can see my mum. Oh, mum, where's mum? Where's that your mum? And Rachel Brown. Rachel Brown, hey. Oh, oh mum. <laughs> Oh, that's for you. Hey, that's for you, Mum. Thanks, Christine. Thanks, readings. And thank you guys. Like I say, you could have been doing anything else. You chose to listen to Julia and I talk about love for a bit. So thanks for indulging this sentimental idiot. And uh, But I really love you all. Thank you so much for doing it. And Julia, just, yeah, I owe you big time. Thank you so much. I know. No, keep writing, Trent. <laughs> you bet. You bet. You can stream previous episodes of the Readings Podcast on our website. We also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to e-news or to receive our free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Production for this podcast was by me, Nico Gallagher. The show's music is by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty was never ceded.